A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two year contracts, they said, What the f are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're done with your Oreo. Yeah, <laughs> done with my Oreo. Okay, good. Um, Do we really know what happened? The brother did. The brother. That's what I thought, too. I mean, that seems, like, kind of obvious. Hey, do you want to talk about death? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I... Mystery murdery thingy 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 times so I think I'm like ready. very giggly Ooh, okay well we got our Denny's so we're good to go we're not you won't hear any stomach rumbling because you <gasps> could know. you hear that last time no oh you <laughs> no, had me with... worried I was like oh my god <laughs> no with the mic you can't hear too much actually with the with the new mic and everything so yeah. it isolates it pretty well I think I think so Should anyway we go under the covers no we're good <laughs> Maybe later. I've actually heard that, that there are podcasts that do that that just have like a blanket tent, basically. So they they like go in a, a room or a closet or something, and they do that to isolate. You know, we're not that. I don't know. Fancy. That Is would that be the cozy. Word? Well, it would be. Maybe I was thinking when we get into our new place, yeah, we can use one of those little closet spaces. Maybe, yeah, right. That's what. Yeah, that's Ideas. a good idea. I know, right? Welcome to mystery murdery thingy. Oh, that was a good intro, right? 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 Maybe. I don't, <laughs> I don't fucking care. <laughs> My name's Mario. My name's Chloe. What's up, y'all? Hey. How you doing? Um, What's hip-hop and happening? <laughs> yeah, that's what the kids are saying now. I love right? saying that. I used to say it unironically. In high school, my math teacher used to say, hey, what's hip-hop and happening? Cool. And then me and my friend would, like, make fun of her. Uh-huh. And then now I, like, say it. Unironically, <laughs> right? I've switched places. It's I say, terrible. "What's up?" You know, like one of the "What's up?" What's up? Like, um, like from Scary Movie. Yes, yeah. yes, and uh, like a bunch of other shit too. So anyway, oh, who's going to go first? Anywho, oh, um, we're doing some theater mysteries because that's what we said we were we going to do, do last theater. week. Theater, <laughs> guess what? Because we're theater people. Did you know? Oh my god. I am in a show right now, <laughs> The Wedding Singer, CPT. We, it's not like we don't talk about it anything or anything. Communityplayers.org, Community Theater, Wilmington, um, Illinois. Um, you know how it goes. I um, think I should go first. Okay, so yeah, I'm I was going to say, because yours is like 
a murder, right? Yours was yes, murder. Yes, mine okay, is mine's murder. like paranormal and, yes. and like ghosty. And well, shit. we kind of already know what you're gonna do because you said what you're gonna do last week. But anyway, <laughs> anywho, anywho. So okay, so yes, I am doing a murdery mystery this week, and I am doing the killing of Sheldon Kleeman. Um, mm. Sheldon Kleeman. Who was Sheldon Kleeman? Sheldon Kleeman was an old timey vaudevillian kind of guy oh he was a ventriloquist and a performer and also the owner of this movie theater um the historic movie theater uh the palace theater um which was on the main drag in the small wisconsin hamlet of spooner wisconsin oh i thought you were gonna say the one in new york oh no there's there are a like, billion palace i know theaters. that i had i had to look up the directory of palace theaters through wikipedia to find yeah. the one that i was looking for yeah yeah uh, no it it's like not even a thing <laughs> um so yeah um he owned the, the palace theater and had been there for forever i think it's been there for like a over 50 years at this point um and he was like really well liked in the in this little town it was, it's like 2300 uh, people mm. in like the late t- 2010s so back then i don't oh, know okay. maybe it was a little bit more a little bit less probably about the same it was kind of a, a little tourist town are we in the late 2010s technically mario okay i do you want to know my specific reference is a kickstarter page that was, uh, if you really want to know, and I actually had this in my write-up later, um, is this Kickstarter page that I stumbled upon in my research where the Palace Theater was raising money to buy a digital projector. Because up till 2014, when they were doing this Kickstarter page, they didn't have a digital projector, so they were afraid, oh. like, 35 millimeters is not a thing anymore, we'll have to close down, right? But they needed 60 grand. Oh. And they raised it. They raised oh. like sixty six thousand. Oh wow! And they got the digital. They posted pictures of it on the Kickstarter page, you know, but it's still up there and everything. So yes, as of tw- like twenty fourteen. So um, I was like, what? Okay, so so here's where it takes a, a sharp left turn. Despite the you know seemingly safe surroundings, this like little idyllic Wisconsin town, right? Sheldon Kleeman was murdered at the age of fifty nine. Oh. On June second, nineteen eighty six. I know it's this little town. It's like it's like a, it's kind of like a, a horror movie, you know. Um, and it, yeah, it's pretty horrific. His son Irwin, who was twenty two at the time, um, came to the Palace Theater as usual for work that morning, and he found some coffee and donuts, like usual, sitting on the counter. And he started working and drinking some coffee and eating some donuts. And then he turned around and he saw someone lying face down oh in the theater. And it was his father. And he uh, turned him over. He thought that he had had a heart attack. Um, and he ran for help. But um, Sheldon had not had a, had a heart attack. He had been stabbed eight times. What the fuck? Okay. Sandy Downs, who owned a local shop just down the street um, and was also happened to be an emergency medical technician, uh, was the first on the scene. Um, that's to whom Irwin ran, you know, cause he knew that, that she was a medical technician and, uh, she came there. She pronounced Sheldon dead at the scene upon her arrival. And she called the police. This was eight thirty-five in the morning what? on a bright sunny day in Wisconsin. That is so bizarre. Extremely. So very erratic. Yes, but but what what makes a the only thing that makes a little bit of sense about this from a, a 
criminological perspective or investigatory perspective, I think, is that Sheldon's um, uh, mode of operation, right, his modus operandi, his uh, pattern of behavior was very consistent. Every single day he did the same thing. And it was very well known that he would often arrive at the palace early um, to start cleaning up. He would then open all the doors, leave everything open, um, and then he would go across the street to get some coffee and some pastries and, and such uh, with his, and gab a little bit with his friends over at the Spooner Bake Shop just down the road. Because everything's just down the road when you're yeah. in Spooner, Wisconsin. Um, so he also reportedly would routinely, like I said, leave all the doors unlocked. Um, and a Spooner Bake Shop employee, Kim Fox, uh, said, said this at the time. Quote, I remember seeing him at the counter that day, and it was just like any other morning. Close quote. God. Well, yeah. It's kind of eerie, right? Like it could happen. It could, it, and it's yeah, it's just like such an out of the blue weird That's thing. That's like a very like here one moment gone the next, mm -hmm. very quick. It's, yeah, that's like this whole thing exactly yeah. so and that's um, very terrifying yeah yeah exactly because it's like you can't make any sense of it um so sheldon went back to the palace at about 8 15 a.m according to the police uh captain leroy uh schindeldecker um and what happened between 8 15 and 8 8 35 when he was found is really the, the the crux of it right no one knows um except of course the killer Mm. And presumably is still alive, perhaps, maybe. And presuming it was one person. Um, two people were questioned at the time and quickly released. Um, one of them, of course, was his son, was Irwin. I mean, the one who found yeah. him, right? Yeah. I mean, you, you think, right? Family member, he's the one who found him. I mean, even in the mid-80s, I think they knew that it's usually someone close to the victim. Like, that had kind of been established at that point. So they obviously immediately looked at Irwin, and um, what Irwin's, uh, his kind of commentary on it was that um, he was, quote, said he was questioned by Spooner police for about 12 hours the day what? of the murder, and has been questioned numerous times by other law enforcement officials, close quote. So they looked oh, at him seems hard. It's like they need to look at something else. There just aren't that many avenues down which to look, I think. So when they had that one kind of prime suspect, they they really I guess, but I think I think that's appropriate. I mean, you 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 don't want to leave any stone unturned, especially when you don't have that many stones to turn over. I guess I don't know. Anyway, so while Irwin realized that you know, and and this is all kind of as of May 1987, which is this article that I read, um, that he was the number one suspect. So it's about a year later, and um. That he also has a couple of suspects of his own, but, quote, he doesn't want, you know, feel like releasing that information, close quote. I guess he just has his, what? he just has his suspicions. It's a okay. small town, right? It's, there's a lot of rumor. There's a lot of, you know, who was, I mean, it's, it's like a, a David Lynch, you know, TV show yeah, from the early 90s, yeah. right? Like, it's very Twin Peaksian. Um, and Sheldon's daughter, Jennifer, who was 19 as of May 1987, also had some suspicions and some, some things to say. So she said, quote, the perpetrator is probably someone I know. It's upsetting not right. to know who did it and that it's already been a year and nothing has happened. I think when they find out who did it, I'll know them. It all just seems too planned, close quote. 
and like I said, like his he Too his routine planned. was very planned out. So presumably, right, the the killer would have known to watch for him walking across the street, know that Irwin's not there yet, so no one's in the theater. Right. He's just opened the door, so you go in a side door, you wait in the lobby, as soon as he walks in, stab, 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 stab. If that was eight, I'm not sure. And then book it. That's ridiculous. How long did how long did that take? Two minutes. And then you could be ten minutes away by the time the sun comes and finds you and finds him. And you wear gloves, you you know, it's it's not the modern day where they're like scrubbing everything for DNA evidence. So yeah, it's like plausible that that's kind of the, the most plausible scenario. But who? But who would have done it? You know, that's who kind of the it? thing. Who do, it's like it's kind of a who done it. Yeah. Right. Um, I mean, that's exactly what it is. So two knives were what also if it was a stranger. Who knows? Right. Um, two knives were also found at the scene, but both were ruled out as the murder weapon and no murder weapon has ever been found. Um, oh. However, an autopsy did show that the murder weapon was a three inch blade, probably a pocket knife, um, which was used to stab Sheldon, quote, Twice in the sternum and oh six god. times in the heart. Oh my god! Oh, that's fucked up. Yeah, um, and again, why? You know, he was he was pronounced dead. I mean, he was he probably died while being stabbed. I mean, you get stabbed six times in the heart, you probably don't yeah, live very you, long, right? Yeah, unfortunately, that's it. That's it. Yeah, that's pretty much like it. it. Yeah, um, and the police just really could not fathom what what possible motive there could be for this. I mean, it's just totally inexplicable. He's just like this harmless uh, type of guy. Exactly. Like, a theft was ruled out. Sheldon had two expensive rings on and $200 in cash on him. Forensics turned to bubkis, other than some very cryptic bloodstains that may or may not have had anything to do with this. Um, Apparently, the only quote-unquote dirt anyone could come up with about Sheldon Kleeman was that he, in the early 80s, uh, quote, some community residents and clergy, close quote, were piqued that he showed, quote, some risque movies at the theater, close quote. So Ooh, that's his big scandalous. sin. Some risque, somewhat risque, which I wonder what that even is. What's somewhat risque? I don't even know. Like Dirty Harry or something? Right? Like You know, I mean, come on. Uh, magic mind so that's the only even like the people people were like searching for something bad that someone could have found about this guy and that's all that they came up with it's got to be personal um well and it's funny you say that captain Schindelde- uh, schindeldecker um speculated that quote from day one it has appeared shelly uh which is what his kind of like stage name or whatever was killed by someone he knew maybe it was someone uh, something personal. It may have uh, happened after some type of argument or something, close quote. So it was like, his kind of speculation. But he did say, you know, like, maybe it was something personal. I mean, something that no one would know, right? Um, or understand, per se. So the, the residents of Spooner, Wisconsin, were understandably very shaken, um, confused, you know, distraught. One resident, Mary Coquilla, um, said that, quote, there's just no answers. The whole community has the questions, but there's just no answers, close quote. Um, so, and, and, and also, like, uh, li- yeah, of course, um, very little in Sheldon Kleeman's past would, would suggest, you know, 
that he would ever die this way as well. Like he, it's not like he had a checkered past either. Um, he learned the ventriloquist trade from his father, li literally at his father's knee, uh, as as one could picture. Um, he was known as Shelley Kelly um, when he performed, um, and he did perform for money for 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 a time, uh, for many years, and and he eventually settled down in Spooner, Wisconsin in 1966 with his family and began to perform mainly for charity. He gave special performances for the Mental Health Association of Washburn County twice a year and the American Legion every Christmas. So he's he like a good was, dude. He was like something out of a fucking Jim Stewart, Jimmy Stewart movie. Like, like in real life. This is bizarre. Yeah. So, so I mean, just imagine, yeah, like, um, the, the, yeah, some it, it's crazy. Yeah, who would ever have had a motive to kill this guy? So, um, like his ventriloquism, Sheldon also got his the Palace Theater from his dad. Um, and for a while after his death, it did um, close down, but it, it was still going as of 2014. Like like I talked about earlier with that Kickstarter campaign, and I assume it still is. Um, but the case remains very very cold. After all these years, um, 30 plus years later, well, yeah. 32, because right around when I was born, said, right? 86. 86. June 2nd, yeah. Um, after five months of frustratingly little to go on, police sergeant David Laporte said this, quote, I really think we've got a lost cause here. Everything we get back from the lab is negative, close quote. And about a year later, Sheldon's son, Irwin, was very pessimistic. He said, quote, they won't have it solved the rest of my lifetime and maybe ever. And yeah, that definitely could be the case. There was some recent kind of rumblings in the case when um, this was actually very recent, like March 2019. Oh, when it was rumored that a local Spoonerite had had a deathbed confession <gasps> To Sheldon's I feel like that's the only killing. thing that would even open up right? anything anywhere. And and it could happen. I mean, it's happened in other cases. Um, but according to Spooner police, that was simply not actually true and it was just a rumor. So, oh. yeah. But it's funny that there's still rumors flying around about this 32 plus years later. That kind of makes you, you know, think maybe that. Or almost 30. Maybe that person's alive or somebody who knows what happened is alive. Right. Or their son or their, their you know, cousin right. or something, you know. I mean, it ha it's been three decades, but th it hasn't been, like, a hundred years. Right. So, like, someone it could plausibly still be alive who knows what happened. Um, and it is also somewhat creepy to note that three uh, Kleeman family members have died in the Palace Theater in Spooner, Wisconsin. If this isn't a haunted theater, I'm not sure. And and this is kind of the lead into yours, so it's a little bit of an obvious. Uh, um, I kind of engineered this segue a little bit. Segue, 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 segue. segue. But but it's true. Um, apparently, um, according to what the the guy who took over from Irwin, um, Kleeman, um, and what he said, I think his name was Gene or something. Anyway, Gene, he said that Sheldon, of course, unfortunately died there in the in the uh, Palace Theater. Also, Gertrude Kleeman. And I'm not sure who exactly that was, exactly, but... You're looking they, at me like I'm, I'm supposed to know. You know the Clemens, right? Spooner, yeah, Spooner. sure. They're Spoonerites, most of, it, most of them. Um, Gertrude Kleeman died of a heart attack in 1981 um, while selling tickets at oh, the Palace Theater. Jesus. And her mother died of a heart attack as well in the lobby. 
And that's, I think, why they they immediately thought, like, oh, he also died of a heart attack. It must have been another heart, another Kleeman family heart attack in the Dallas Theater. Maybe they're going to But it wasn't. It was a murder. Three more deaths. And each is a stab to the heart that um, Shelly got. Well, it's funny you say that because I was (gasps) kind of thinking that this could totally be the setup for a episode of Supernatural. Yes, and that's it totally could be! Just the kind of thing oh, they would write into a Supernatural episode. Oh my god, you're so right. So, that's my mystery. Sammy! Sammy! Dean, this is gonna, gonna be one more death. <laughs> um, my sources are Diane Pacetti at AP, um, section 16 of a book called 101 Wisconsin Unsolved Mysteries Ooh, oh. by Marv Belusek. Oh, wow. Um, that Kickstarter page I mentioned earlier, The Palace Project, it was called by Joellen Weathers. Uh, Chuck Rupnow at the Leader Telegram out of Eau Claire, Wisconsin. That was a good one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, it's it, it was uh, an interesting, you know, small town kind of murder. It was, yeah. I should I, actually. I think I'm going to look for more Midwestern murder mysteries. I, I kind of uh, stumbled upon a couple of others when I was. Should reading that this, be our so. next topic? Could be. Yeah, let's do Midwestern so like murder mysteries. Murder mysteries. I like kind of wanted to do it a couple of weeks ago, but I I couldn't find the story I was looking for, so I did something else. But yeah, let's do it. There's plenty. A lot. There are a lot. <laughs> like anywhere, I guess. But the open spaces of the Midwest of the United States is uh, is yeah. It, it definitely riddled with bodies over the years. Okay, so Getting mine's ghosty. a little more. Yeah, mine's a little more. That's why you're going second. Yeah, <laughs> I like when we end on a, a end on a high note. Again. So, <laughs> yep, just like that. And end on a high note. Wait, what is that from? I think it's from um, some Mel Brooks movie. It's uh, Young Frankenstein. Frankenstein. I think. I don't. I think. I have. You're asking the wrong person. Really, truly. Could be Blazing Saddles. We watched Blazing Saddles together, though. Yeah. So that's probably not it, because you don't remember it. Anyway, you Blazing go, Saddles you is topic. one of those. I need to watch that again. I know. It's so good. Okay. So yes. 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 I am covering Theater Ghost. Ooh, a Theater Ghost. Why, why do people think <laughs> ghosts sound that way? <laughs> Where did that originate? Oh, that's a good question. Isn't that a good question? Probably radio. That's what I would imagine. Mm. In like some kind of radio effect. And then it just became like a meme and it's propagated throughout all these years. So theater ghosts have been reported and re- with <laughs> with remarkable consistency. They seem to be remarkable. every year, everywhere. Right. Yeah, it is remarkable. No, it's true. I said that's what I said last week. It's like I feel like I've been in a lot of theaters where people, where someone's like, like, "Oh yeah, there's totally theater ghosts you know, here." If you do theater long enough, you know, for sure. Um, so I'm just gonna go through some ghost through. Yeah, I'm just gonna. Yep. I'm just gonna ghost through a couple of. A good stories here that go with some great hauntings. Cool. I'm excited. So, let's start with... These are all Broadway theaters, by the way. They're old. Only the highest class theaters in this episode about theater ghosts. Just the most haunted ones. And the most haunted. And the, all of them are old. And the oldest. Like, early 20th century old. And the earliest 20th centuries. Okay. It's time to stop. <laughs> that was cute, though. I applaud you. <laughs> You're cute. 
Um, so the new Amsterdam theater in Manhattan, they believe that the ghost of Alice, Olive Thomas, a one-time Ziegfeld chorus girl. So her story is actually kind of sad and it's also a mystery in and of itself because mm-hmm. we're, it's just a little, it's just a little suspicious. Mm-hmm. So like I said, she was a chorus girl in the 1915 Ziegfeld Follies on the New Amsterdam main stage and uh, she was in uh, kind of like a, a, um, a not prequel, sequel <laughs> called Midnight Frolics. <laughs> I couldn't think of it. Oh. Pre- oh, there you go. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Is that what I sounded like? No. <laughs> so her career moved her out to Hollywood where she made a handful of silent films. And then she met this guy named Jack Pickford. Uh, He's an actor, a film director and a producer. Um, And they got married. He's also like, both of them were a little wild, right? They're, they kind of like to stir up trouble. Mm -hmm. Um, And he is the brother of superstar Mary Pickford, who um, is an actor of very, very popular in the early, early 20th century. Mary Pickford. Yeah. Um, So, Olive Thomas died while on a trip to Paris in 1920 with her husband, Jack. So what happened was on the night of September 5th, 1920, the two of them, they got all dressed up and they went out in the town. They went to go. They head out to the fancy bistros and the nightclubs in downtown Paris, 1920. So they, I mean, an aesthetic, right? Yeah. They reportedly got back to their rooms at around 3 3 a.m. So Olive, she's intoxicated. She's tired. She took a large dose of mercury bichloride, which was prescribed to her to treat sores caused by Jack's chronic syphilis. Oh, wow. What a couple. Yeah. Uh, So she died two days later. And her body was brought back to Woodlawn Cemetery in the Bronx for burial. After her death, workers at the New Amsterdam began telling friends that they had run into Olive backstage. Like, oh, what are you talking about? Like, I just saw her. Like, you what? Not possible. She's dead. What? Scoob. Okay. So she appeared periodically throughout the 1920s, but then she became kind of quiet during the Great Depression um, when the theater was underfunded, underused. But then, um, so the Disney Corporation bought the theater in the mid-1990s and they, like, restored it. And so construction workers began reporting that their off-limits work area was being invaded by a woman carrying a blue bottle. Uh the reports continued after the theater reopened and have continued since. So um, Dana Amendola, the vice president of Disney theatrical productions talks about how a night watchman quit on the spot after seeing a woman walk across the stage and disappeared into a solid wall. He like got a call in the middle of the night and this guy was like, I quit. I'm, I'm done. I'm out of here. What? Yeah. Um, she's often reported um to be seen wearing a green beaded dress, a headband, and a green sash while carrying a bottle of pills. And sometimes she would talk to people and say weird things. Mm. Um, 
she often appears in the trap beneath what was once the stage of the new Amsterdam Roof Theater. So the space is actually used for storage currently, but employees still like report that sometimes there's a woman there and sometimes there's disembodied part of feet and like climbing up the staircase. Weird shit, man. Ghosts, dude. But you said that was like the old stage, right? So that's like right. what would have been her stage. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, Amendola also talks about how Olive is like actually a playful ghost. Like she's benign. She's pretty popular too. And some hardcore ghost hunters would hide in the theater after it closed, hoping to like get a glimpse <laughs> of, you know, this ghost. And um, now they have like a new rule where workers have to sweep the building like multiple times every night. Yeah. Just like, to, wow. Yeah, it's crazy. Because people are idiots. People are fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah. So the second. The Belasco Theater. This is my favorite story. So the ghost of the owner, David Belasco himself, is said to haunt the Belasco Theater in Midtown Manhattan. So it was originally known as the Stuyvesant Theater, opened in 1907 and became the Belasco Theater three years later in 1910. So for its time, it was actually like super advanced and had the best stagecraft tools available it, it was huge it had plenty of workspace including an underground stage and david belasco built himself a 10-room duplex penthouse apartment um like above above it and he utilized it as like combination living quarters and office space it also had a bonus private elevator that he would take to transport the lady actresses Ooh, up to his room swanky casting couch of a different day i mean 1910 baby yeah um <laughs> the, the patriarchy was well in hand oh then my god <laughs> jesus christ yeah that was the age of men as they say in uh in uh, mary poppins oh you're right <laughs> so david velasco himself he was a producer a playwright a director and an and an impresario, which, if you don't know what that is, you know what it is. Of but course. I didn't know what it was. An impresario is someone who kind of finances and um, produces uh, uh, operas and works that go into concert halls and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. He was rich. So he was from San Francisco, California. He was the first writer to adapt the short story Madame Butterfly for the stage and he launched the theatrical career of many actors, including Mary Pickford. Um, so he, yeah, he was also kind of weird. He became known as the Bishop of Broadway, basically because he had a weird habit of wearing, um, I think this is how you say it, a cassock? Cassock, yeah. A cassock? Like a Catholic priest, like, would wear? <laughs> what? So he, just for some reason. Um, just like the aesthetic. I mean, the Catholic garb aesthetic you know the sort of uh sacerdotal garb is it is kind of a cool aesthetic if you divorce it from like all the other stuff yeah he was a weirdo yeah he died in 1931 and his ghost began showing up soon after so actors who would like step out on stage would like look into the balcony and see like a dark figure sitting there just like staring at them um and he would sometimes walk right up to actors and like shake their hands and say like congratulations like you did such a great job great performance <laughs> and people would like that talk about him they would be like theater who? Ghost. like yeah not only is he a theater ghost he's also an easy critic yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um well, more than one actress filed complaints with the house manager that an old man dressed up like a priest had pinched their bottoms. 
He's also a He's also a player. <laughs> Sexual harassment. Come into my elevator. Girls. Let's go upstairs. Right. I take it to the penthouse. Yeah. <laughs> what is he ludicrous? Oh my god. Um so sounds of dancing footsteps in 1920s music could also sometimes be heard from the upstairs apartment. But when, like, you went to go check on it, like, oh, my God, who's up there? Somebody broke in. Nothing was disturbed. It was dust. So the apartment isn't being used, I don't think. I'm, it's not in use. But I know for sure that it, it's not open to the public and that if they put it on the market, it would sell for millions. Mm-hmm. Right? Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. Oh, shit. What a place to live. Wow. Midtown Manhattan, above a theater, 10 bedrooms. Yeah. Luxury. Pretty crazy. And the last. Oh, my God. Uh, Get out. (laughs) Get out. Too much. We've been watching too much HGTV involuntarily. Right. For parents. (laughs) I'm forced to. So <laughs> I'm not interested in remodeling houses. I'm not. I'm really not. <laughs> I like. I like. I like. I kind of like hate watching it though. I do enjoy design, so that's kind of interesting when it gets into like design aspects. Yeah. But I really don't care that much about like remodeling houses. So and the money. They re- always talk about the money. My parents have been like slowly remodeling our house for like the 15 years we've lived here. So like I guess, but. Yeah, and the yes, the monies. It takes lots of the monies. <sighs> They're always talking about this. So, <laughs> the last thing that I have is the Palace Theater. A pal- cool. The Palace Theater Another in Palace theater. in Midtown Manhattan. And this one opened in March of 1913. Oh. So, it's said to have more ghosts than any other Broadway theater. Like, hundreds. Like, tons of ghosts. So... It's also, and I think this is why, it's in it's in New York City interior landmark, so all of its interior is exactly the same. Like, it's illegal to change. Oh, wow. So. Lots of uh, sonic residue, you're saying? Right, right. Sure. So, <laughs> you're like, is sure. Is that the correct terminology? I guess. So, 1913 to 1929, it was a huge, huge place to be for vaudeville. It hosted legends like Ethel Barrymore and the Marx Brothers. Um, It attracted other performers later in its life, like Fred Astaire. Um, Judy Garland and Frank Sinatra had their final New York performances there in 1967. Um, It's also said that Judy Garland herself is one of the many ghosts who haunts the theater, and that her quote, presence is felt near a door that was built especially for her at the rear of the orchestra, end quote. Hmm. Mm, spooky gossip. <laughs> Ooh, a famous ghost. <laughs> Judy. <laughs> Are you there? Judy, explain the uh, the blackface you did. Tell us all about it. <laughs> Tell me about it. Oh, God. Anyway. <laughs> a product of the time, am I right? Also, uh... <laughs> now <laughs> they could they no but they do blackface like in like some i can't remember northern european country like during their like one of their festival things or whatever like up to this day and into the future cringe. it's not like it went away <laughs> cringe <laughs> not to mention all of the unearthed yearbook photos of course oh god don't even get me started i know right ted danson ted danson has one they also did it on SNL in a parodying way a few years ago, and now people think maybe that's not okay anymore. So, so let's move on. 
Please. <laughs> Another ghost said to be at the Palace Theater is the ghost of a famous tightrope walker, Louis Borsellino. But I'm going to put this out here and take the, all this with a grain of salt. Because I couldn't find anything about this famous tightrope walker, Louis, Louis, whoever, Borsellino, <laughs> except for the fact that he was a ghost who haunted the Palace Theater. I like like I was very... I was expecting a Wikipedia page. Sure. I was like, oh, what it, what circus was he a part of? Right. What did he travel to? I couldn't find any so, of that. All I found was that he was a ghost. He's a ghost. <laughs> Maybe he was always a ghost. Maybe he lived as a ghost. But it said... I know, I do that a lot. Um... <laughs> I just like put up my my finger, my point, my index finger. Right. That's what we're doing. Y'all right can't now. see, but we're doing like that thing where you point your index finger up in the air, like uh, you're about to say something important. It is said, <laughs> yes, yeah, right. light bulb. It is said that Louis Borsellino has been seen hanging from the rafters, and he lets out a blood curdling scream as he reenacts the nose dive that may or may not have killed him. Some say he fell to his like it happened during a performance, and he fell to his death. But a New York Times article from 1935 says that he did that he did fall, but only sustained minor injuries. So no one really knows. And that's what I have on the Palace Theater. Quite a mystery. And that's what I have on theater ghosts. Pretty cool. Some just some big ones I thought had cool stories. There's a lot more. Of course. There's so much more. But I wanted ones with some good stories. Those were some good stories. Yeah. You know, they were all like New York, which I think is always cool because. New York's got a long, you know, history, like uh, murder history. And, oh, uh, yeah. Go- ghosty history. Ghosty. Okay. Um, I do have some weird shit in, in the, the news. news. Weird, weird shit, shit in, in the news. news. I'm going to interrupt you and do my sources oh, really yeah, fast. Okay. So a really great Playbill article, really well fleshed out, actually, by Robert Viagas. New York Tour 1 article by Ted B., David Belasco, Wikipedia, and Jack Pickford, Wikipedia, and then the Curb New York article by Lisa M. Santoro. Cool. Shout out. Oh, yeah. I uh, I was going to say I weirdly didn't find anything on Wikipedia about my art, about my sort or my uh, topic. Really? Yeah, there was, like, nothing on Wikipedia. So I, like, didn't use Wikipedia at all this episode, which is weird. So anyway, my weird shit in the news is man cleaned his ear with cotton swab, then got an infection in his skull. Ew, no. Super gross. From CBS News, uh, Carrie Nirenberg, um, also found on LiveScience.com. So this is in jolly old England, um, but uh, this man, a 31-year-old man, was not so jolly. Um, because he had a little piece of uh, cotton, unbeknownst to him, from a cotton swab at some point that he had put in his ear, he does not know when, that had been in there for many years. No one really knows how long. And uh, it had been hurting for about five years. He had gotten a couple of really bad ear infections. Guys, go to the doctor. He went to the doctor. He was examined. He was treated for the other infections. This thing was really far in there, I guess. And um, eventually he had a seizure. Oh, my God. Yeah, and that's when uh, oh shit really God. got real. And they don't really know why he had the seizure, but they think it was either toxins from a massive bacterial infection oh or pressure on his brain from the infection triggered um, the seizure. So, yeah, not sure. Um, but, yeah, he um, was not doing so well. 
but then they did like a CT scan. They found where the thing was and some really, you know, two big abscesses apparently <gasps> in the like Ew. bones at the base of the skull, Do they which is really gross. No, there's no video or anything. <laughs> Can I see it? Um, where's the skull? I want to watch it. Um, and he was treated and they did some surgery and he was completely fine. Wow. Spent a few months in the hospital, but after that, he was good to go. That's rare. Yep. And uh, they say um, don't use um, cotton swabs to clean your ears yeah, in this article. Don't. So probably don't probably don't do that. I actually don't. I never have in my life, I don't think. Maybe once or twice. So I don't do it, but I, a lot of people do. I don't know. It says not to do it in the article. That's all I'm going to say. Um, so I have a gross one. Cool. Mine wasn't that gross, right? <laughs> you do a grosser one. No, yours was like body gross. Okay. No, this one's just like trashy and gross okay <laughs> and it happened in charlotte north carolina i've been there office worker charged after <laughs> after he brought donuts quote glazed with his own semen oh, and quote God. to boss's farewell party <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> terrible <laughs> terrible person. like how trashy can you be jesus christ Christ. So he faces charges of food tampering. Of course. Um, it's gotta so be yeah. illegal somehow. I mean. So that cannot be legal. Uh, he worked at an accounting firm. Um, and he worked there for 12 years. Um, he was managed by his boss. Uh, and the boss was like, hey, I'm, I'm retiring. And so they had this farewell party. And so apparently he, you know, he bought some plain donuts from a shop and took them home. And where investigators believe that he mixed his own semen with icing sugar and then used the mixture to glaze the donuts. So, so that he like passes out these donuts, right? And, <laughs> and the workers are like, yo, this is taste funny. They're like reported something. that The flavor was weird and it was, had a salty aftertaste. Oh, come on. And employees say that Richardson burst into uncontrolled laughter. Uh, quote, we figured then that he'd spiked the donuts with something because there's a bit of bad blood in the past between the pair, oh. said one employee. Quote, but we had no idea it was his own semen, end quote. Wouldn't have been your first thought. Yeah. So somebody like took the donuts to the police and requested it analyzed, and they found that there was semen in it. Uh yeah, uh he admitted to it and everything. He was oh, arrested. Wow. He like was arrested at his desk. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he gets a pretty lengthy jail sentence. Oh really? Yeah. I don't. It kind of reminds me. I don't know if you remember us talking about the guy who poisoned all those uh, sandwiches in Germany over the years. Do you remember that? No, I don't remember that. Okay, well there was this guy in Germany who poisoned like a bunch of sandwiches over the years with like poison. And he just got sentenced to life in prison. So over the years, yeah, over like several years, and like different people. That's it's like, it was fucked. super weird. We did it, or I did it as a weird shit in the news, like a long time ago. Wow, he just got sentenced though. I'm like reacting to it like I've never heard before. Right. Jesus, it's <laughs> cool. Okay, uh, well, thank you guys for listening. Yes, thanks for listening. Um, 
you know, do all the normal things. Check us out on all the social medias. Please follow us on Twitter. Yeah, um, you can follow my Twitter at MarioTex30. Follow I, Mystery I Murdery out, Thingy uh, at Twitter. Follow Miss. What's it called? Murdery Mi- Thingy. I kind of. I always forget. Mystery Thingy Murder. Because it's weird. It's it put it together for me. I'm pretty sure it's Murdery Thingy. Uh, on I'm Twitter. Sure. And <laughs> yeah, uh, subscribe <laughs> to our Patreon for some extra. We do have our extra segment. Hashtag up there now. Come Drink with Us. Come drink with us. I put up some more pictures on there and stuff. So yeah. Sounds good. That's, um... Cool. I think that's our episode. Team Mystery! Yeah! Woo! Bye. Bye.